Today's episode is sponsored by Two Boys, One Improv Class. This episode was a long time coming for so many different reasons. The next time I see you, I'll tell you everything that I've been up to in 2023, but specific to today's guest, Nolan Fellows is the reason why I'm here speaking to you today. For those of you that have ever listened to an episode of this podcast, and thank you so much if you have, and welcome if this is your first time listening, but for anyone that has listened to an episode in the past or spoken to me for longer than five seconds, you'll know that the reason I took my first improv class was because of a coworker asking me, and I said no. And then that same coworker asked me again, and I heard a voice in my head that said, if you don't do this, you will regret it. Where that voice came from, we will never know. But I listened to that voice, and I listened to Nolan, and the rest is yes and history. Nolan moved away from Chicago many years ago, and for the past six years or so, we would randomly text each other just to say hey, to check in, to see how we were doing, give updates on our lives. It was really adorable. And I'm so incredibly honored to have Nolan Fellows on today's episode and actually speak with him after such a long time. We talked about all sorts of stuff that I'm so excited to share with you, including my improv origin story and Nolan's therapist and pinball god origin story with the dash of mental health and all sorts of other wonderful things. Now, before we get to the episode, I have some more exciting news. I recently put out my first improv comedy special on YouTube. So back in March of 2023, I produced my first ever improv show called The Last Improv Show I'll Ever Do, featuring some of Chicago's best improv teams. And the night was an absolute dream. You should really, 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 I highly recommend it. I can't say really enough, especially you, Mr. Motorcycle, in the background. You should really go ahead and watch the special. It's pretty special. Uh, The link to that show will be in the description of this episode. Um, You can also go to my website, chiragrator.com, and click the link to my YouTube page at the bottom of my website, uh, which will take you to the YouTube page, and then you can go look for the last improv show I'll ever do, an improv comedy special video. And if you stick around long enough through the end of this episode, the video of this episode, there's a preview of the special. You can stick around for it. It's a great episode. The preview's awesome. Now, if you're listening to the audio version of this, we have a video for this episode. If you're watching me right now, I see you. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to Mr. Rocktor's Neighborhood. Mr. Rocktor's Neighborhood. It's Mr. Rocktor's blanks with yourself probably and whatever totally. you're projecting onto them yeah this is this is like all the therapy stuff i talk about i don't even see couples anymore i started out like seeing couples for work i can't do it anymore why is that <laughs> i well one like okay so i graduated during covid 
And so enter the therapy world in a very tense time. Um, my partner was living here, like moved here because of COVID and we lived together. And so I was dealing with my own relationship shit on, you know, first and foremost, but also like, I mean, this is Boise, Idaho. People here get married young and for probably not the greatest reasons. And I just don't care. I don't care about their problems. I don't care about their relationship. A lot of it's just like, you get to a point where they have to confront themselves. They have to deal with whatever they're dealing with, whatever their, their individual experiences are. And unless they do that, you're just spinning wheels. And I don't want to be caught in the middle of that. It's like, oh my God. Um. Okay. So we'll just start then. Cause it seems like a good place to start. So yeah, this I is went on that rant. no, please do. This is Nolan fellows from Boise, Idaho. For a while, Chicago, Illinois, and I think at some point, Austin, Texas. And, Austin, and Ohio, but mostly Ohio. Idaho, which yep. has been a whole, whole thing. Mostly. Um, yeah, I've always, I've always wanted to do one of those, like, we're just talking, and, oh, are we recording now? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for, for giving me that experience. That's my favorite shit to do with everybody. <laughs> the The feeling I want with this, any episode, is like a... I just walked into the conversation that was happening because I like that. Yeah. yeah I you think it's a, it. it's not like the, Hey buddy. Like we don't, you know, the whole, how's work been? You know, <laughs> Which is good too. Those are important questions to ask. It's That's important lovely, to know. But, but <laughs> you, you know, you know, a good product and this is a good product. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So you were talking about the challenges of, uh, well, your uh, yeah, I went on a tangent probably. I was no, no, that's great. Whole, I that, loved it. that dating show really just triggered me. <laughs> I got feelings. Um, um, yeah. So, would you call? Yourself, is it a counselor, therapist? What's like the appropriate? Um, uh, my 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 official title is a licensed professional counselor. I'm about to get my my big C. We call it in Idaho, a licensed certified professional counselor. There's it, it's all just among. I have there. a friend who's an LPC and he's working to get his LCPC and he's like on the oh, same yeah. kind of path as you. Um, oh, well, very big C. I thought we were weird. I yeah. he can probably explain to you a little better, but that's my understanding. He's currently does not have that big C and working towards that big C. And uh, it I don't know, it's kind of he's doing all the work that the big C does without the certification because you have yeah, to work your just, way up there. It's just supervision hours and like experience, and you have to take a test again. I just need to take the test. Um, so yeah, I'm like knocking on that door also. Okay, cool. So you're saying you started doing you were doing couples, you don't want to do couples anymore? <laughs> yeah, well, I went to undergrad, <clears throat> excuse me, for grad school for marriage and couples, not marriage couples family all that um because i sex therapy was always the goal like that was what started this whole path and and so my my dumb joke was like yeah sex therapy and marriage and family they sound like they've been bed together but in... <laughs> and so I every kid at like, school yeah. have that fucking plan. <laughs> yeah and i went to like a, a, very, a very christian liberal arts university for for grad school so i was that guy the sex guy um but yeah, anyways, what was it, what were we talking about? What was the question? Was that, uh, uh, did you want to, well, you were saying that you had your sex therapy oh, was yeah, always yeah. a goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so did marriage and family thinking, yeah, I'm going to do couples. This is just going to be part of the job. And then once I started working and once I started working with couples, I was just like, I don't have to. I, I, it doesn't take a lot of clients to be busy and full in my schedule. So I can do that just fine without, without couples. So. And what, is it just, what was the like? Was it feeling like you were in the middle of their shit? Like, what was the challenge with that? 
just yeah you know uh, my my intern or yeah my internship um supervisor she would talk about like when a couple's like you know they're fighting about like the sock on the floor who didn't do the laundry and it's never about that it's always about something underneath that but that that back and forth of of the laundry just can't deal with it it's just loud and like it feel like it pokes at me and it just tries my patience and it drains me and and like self-care and burnout is a big thing in, in our field like they they teach it basically in grad school so it was just like oh i don't have to do this so i'm not gonna do this and didn't find sense so what are you focusing on now just individuals and yeah just individuals um, um mostly adults i'm i'm kind of a heady therapist which you know for better or worse um what does so that I mean for like adults who are, are a little more motivated um like i don't like teens because they don't really want to talk about anything it just it just drains me um so yeah i like those people who are like eager to get to shit because i like to poke at the shit and point it out and stuff ah how do you uh how do you like draw that clientele how do you get people to um so basically yeah so the business is called the idaho institute of gender and sex therapy and i work with this guy named jeremy who's amazing he started the business um i was his first hire more or less so uh Basically, he had a very long waiting list, and when when I started, I basically just got his waiting list. Okay. Um, and that's kind of how it started. Now we have a, a couple more um, providers, and and you know we all have waiting lists now at this point because everybody is in therapy at this point of COVID, and, and also it's like post holidays are just about to be post holidays, so this is this is the the hot season for therapy. Business <laughs> is a booming, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, which. <laughs> during the dark cold cold months is when i gotta like be on my game yeah 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 you... <laughs> yeah okay so you, so gender and sex therapy so is there so i assume that's like like what what is the i don't know how that's like what is the focus so like what are people coming to you wanting to can it yeah, be yeah, yeah. yeah does that make sense yeah i mean we're Boise, Idaho. Like we're we're the only game in town for a lot of this stuff. There's a couple individuals throughout the the valley, but not a lot. So we're kind of the catch-all for a lot of things. Um, Jeremy specifically works with a lot of trans clients um, because this is kind of getting phased out slowly with updated policy and, and long overdue. But but for the most part, it's been like if people want to transition or maybe even start hormones, either providers or insurances um require letters and we essentially become a, a, a hoop they have to jump through um so that's part of the work but then you know a lot of those people just do want want you know therapy and and, and so a lot of it is I, i'd say a lot of it is working with trans clients and helping them get to where they want to go um there's a big part of it that is probably just lgbtq plus clients who don't want a mormon therapist because there are lots of mormons in this town and and so they're you know they they know they're getting a friendly place or an ally place um there and then the other part third is probably like actual sexual functioning stuff and actual talks about sex um so so we're kind of a catch-all for anything that kind of lands in the sex gender umbrella yeah that's interesting like as a um uh with my buddy who's also uh like the current therapist and training to be the big c therapist like understanding like the value of um like these are very vulnerable conversations and things that you're entering into if you're going you know Definitely. going to therapy and if you can have someone that looks like you or someone who can understand you versus like uh <laughs> someone from uh who might be well-intentioned but just is 
not equipped to handle it in the way that you yeah. need like seems really we're, we're supposed to be values neutral but that's just impossible like we can't be values neutral technically just as being humans and so yeah a lot of well-intentioned people but maybe a lot of naivety some you know might just get like you know we'll go pray about it or something like that and like that's the last thing they want to hear because that's the trauma their parents gave them about the situation and they don't need to fucking deal with that mm. um, yeah yeah uh it's funny because i'm like i'm i'm like the straight guy at work you know i i have some queerness but for the most part you know i'm, I'm very privileged in, in my heteronormativity i guess but i do have this little mullet going which i don't know if you've seen <laughs> i could see a little bit of it just when you would turn your head i was like i'm i, I when it comes up i want to talk about it yeah i've been angsty as hell and and I, I gotta i gotta look different from the normies so it just started growing a little ducktail mullet thing oh you that's for real why you did it to try and like i think that was a subconscious thing but but it, it is funny like you know I, I always felt weird like you know being me in in the work setting like I can't do that I'm supposed to be somebody else um but it is kind of funny like in the therapy world like you never know who what people are going to relate to and so just being that my you know my therapist has tattoos and has a and has a mold like some people like really appreciate that and especially in this town because it's so traditional and kind of yeah I don't know I think it's I, I think it's relatable I hope it's relatable no, I think so. I mean, I think just like, you know, this uh, this is also probably going to sound really dumb, but I was watching Post Malone at like Lala last year watching the stream and he's on stage just like singing some acoustic shit on a guitar and was like so incredible. And then he also just has like face tattoos and arm tattoos and all this other shit. And and I've, I have tattoos as well. So that's just not an anti-tattoo thing, but it's just like you look at that and you're like, okay, so you have these things in your head that you think, but like, it seems like we're at a place now, hopefully, maybe we've always been there, but maybe from a more larger perspective, like while your external is important, like it doesn't actually correlate to what you have on the inside. So like, you know, like he's singing these like beautiful songs and it's like, maybe you wouldn't assume that. Um, yeah. Or like, you know, just Billie Eilish just dressed with these big baggy clothes and her voice is like, and she just is like, kind of like, you know, she's very young and like her voice is like, she sings about like very grown adult, deep things but you almost you know you look at it and you just kind of maybe cast aside and so like that uh like yeah it, it seems you know doing away with some of the external stuff or making judgments based on the external um because i don't know yeah I, I don't know it doesn't matter if you're if you i, I think it's a uh, i think it's yeah and you also don't know what people connect to i guess all it's all yeah no, it's all somewhere yeah, yeah that's exactly and 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 being back here, like being in the place where I grew up, like I I legit going through COVID and and going through grad school and all of it, like I'll admit, there's been a lot of like teenage angst that has come up over the years, and like it, you know, part of going to school to be a therapist is like you kind of have to look at yourself, and and I kind of started realizing like my own family shit that I didn't know was there for however many decades. And so like being back here and being around my family and kind of falling, you know, kind of subconsciously falling back into those old patterns where I feel like a helpless teen is stuck at home and I had to go hang out mom and dad again. Like, it's funny how it comes out and it comes back. And, and I think some of that has to come out with, with kind of how I talk about Boise in sessions with, with, with clients. But I honestly think like, like they connect to it so quickly that like they grab onto it and they're just like, 
yes and like me having lived in chicago and austin like at least have perspective from the people who have who lived here their whole lives i'm like it's not like this everywhere and, and i think i don't know maybe this is me projecting but like i think it's helpful to hear that sometimes yeah well you've gotten the benefit of having an outside perspective one just being a therapist and doing some of the work yourself i imagine but also like living in like big ass cities that are very i mean i've never been to boise um if you do want, oh man go ahead just going back from like chicago to boise like total like polar opposite and like ugh, ugh. like chicago was too big for me but i'm i'm a little bigger than boise <laughs> okay i've heard boise is like legit like beautiful and like really beautiful. pretty and boise itself is is lovely and it it was starting to slowly get cool but then like covid happened and and we were make idaho idaho was making headlines and not the kind you like um we were getting famous for like mass burnings and shit like that and and so the idaho politics <laughs> is just, it don't have to, you know, yeah it doesn't have to exist it makes it really hard and then the whole rovers way thing so i was like banking on like yeah bush is getting cool people are gonna move here and stuff and and now with like who's gonna move to this state after all that shit who who's gonna be like me and move to this state, you know what um then what made you go back or what made you want to like return so grad school was like basically go live at home and go to grad school and use my uh, resources and, and my privilege and, and try to make that an easy process and then covid happened like right when i graduated and then i don't know I, I'm, I'm starting to come out of that shell of like okay what's my what's my longer game here where do i want to be do i want to stay here if i do what does that look like um, yeah but yeah, a lot of it has just been getting through and, and like trying to get through school and then trying to get through COVID. And now, you know, it's starting to feel like, okay, I can, I can start to walk again. Yeah. You were saying earlier about like, you know, moving back home and falling into some of those old routines. Like me and my parents have had a couple different talks about like the, impo how important it was one being lucky enough to like, you know, go away to college or whatever, but how important it was for our relationship for me to, and this is just my situation but like it was important for me to basically have breakups with my parents like to to leave home so i had to go to college so that we could break that it's not a kid anymore it's like and yeah. it's still i'm still young and stupid and i needed guidance but it's like i i had to leave home so that i wasn't stuck in the routines of being at home and yeah. then like becoming a, like you know i've been working for 10 years now so that's like a different kind of like i'm still you know I, i'm an adult man but i still need my parents but like i need right, you in a right. different light and we had to go through a couple types of sort of breakups as we transition to this new phase and i think that's been very valuable to our relationship because i like, still love them both yeah. and i still you know i get frustrated because you know we're all just people trying to figure it out but like that that's been very important for us i think I imagine and plus like your parents live in the burbs right they're, they're pretty close by well first of all how dare you they live in the city part of they live in the city it's just burb like oh. in the city so how dare you oh i'm sorry but but point being like they're very close like I, yeah they're I, really I, close I mean, yeah I, I went to ohio from idaho kind of randomly but like that was my breakaway for my parents like your your breakaway is is like a train ride down down the way the first day of college when i went to loyola for undergrad and my first day of college, it was loyal. It was 15 minutes from my parents' house. My mother drops me to my dorm room. I put my stuff in the dorm room and she says, what now? And I said, I don't know. She said, do you want to come home? And I said, sure. So then I just went back home and hung <laughs> out until nighttime. <laughs> laundry there or something, yeah. What's um, that? At least you can do laundry there. <laughs> like, reason to go there. Yeah, I, well, actually I lied. Like my, my, my first experience was in, in Fullerton, California 
stupid story. I should tell it because this is a podcast and podcasts are good for stupid stories. I'm going to put it out to the world. So uh, I, I was super into pop punk in high school. And there's a band called Alistair and they had a song called Somewhere Down in Fullerton. And for that reason, I became sentimental about Cal State Fullerton. And I, I knew I wanted to go to school in California because I had those like, pop punk romanticism about California. And I went and it sucked and it was a commuter school and everybody went home on the weekends like you and did their laundry. And so I was, it was just horrible. Anyways, fast forward, uh, however many years, moved to Chicago, uh, was dating a girl and we drove by the Bolorama. What's, what's. There's Waveland Bowl. There's... Well, well, let me finish the story. You'll, maybe you'll, it'll reveal it. So it, it's on Fullerton Avenue and the girl I was dating was like, oh, all the pop punk bands used to play there back in the day. Like the song Alistair or the band Alistair had a song about them somewhere down on Fullerton. And it was just like, motherfucker. You gotta do your all research, that, homie, before you... All that for a goddamn song that I love and didn't even know the word to. Uproot <laughs> your whole life. That's a, I know yeah. Cal State Fullerton because I think they win baseball World yeah, they, they series, college world series yeah um yeah they, they're, they're a contender there and they don't have a football team one of their funny shirts was like cal state forwards and titans undefeated since 1996 but they haven't had a football team since 1996 oh i see i see good jokes cal state Fullerton. Mm -hmm. Watch out for those Titans. <laughs> okay, so let's. I'll tell people how I how we met, or we will yeah. tell people how we met. We don't. I don't have to tell the story. We can tell it together. But so Nolan, when living in Chicago, was a pharmacy technician at UIC where I worked, and Nolan's home was sort of on the way on my way home, and if I took the inside took the side streets, so I would drive. We would, uh, you'd, <laughs> I would drive Nolan home and then another coworker who lived in the general vicinity as well. And we'd pick people up. And I basically fell into the same routine I did when I was in high school, which is just circled around and picked people up. And it was a great time. And that's, I'm still oh, very yeah. deep, close friends with all of those people. And that's how we bonded and, and united and all that shit. Uh, and we would talk about a lot of comedy stuff. Um, this was well before I'd ever done improv, but we talk about stand up and all this shit. And then um, I think you brought up uh improv classes at the annoyance because you like new people who had taken I, I, so somebody knew in austin had lived in chicago or something and and i asked them like what's a good place to go where people aren't intense about it like you know being intimidated by any other big name so they said annoyance and that was okay. what uh what made you what like uh what made you want to take improv classes like what was your reason for wanting to I think I, I did and still do kind of have that romantic idea of like, well, I could be a comedian and people think I'm funny. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so just kind of wanting to do that. I think there's there's been like a secret part of me that's wants to kind of be a performer at heart, but but has a hard time letting it out. So I don't know, just like love comedy was always kind of curious of like, should I do this? And and then you came along. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I don't. So you asked, I don't know if you remember this, but you asked me twice because the first time you asked me, I said no out of straight up fear. Which I, did you say that at the time? Or I don't know. Like... I was also teaching a pharmacy technician. Like I was teaching That's classes true. to pharmacy technicians on the weekend. So I was a little busy, but like the real list reason was because I was like petrified. That's okay. I think, I honestly think that's how we 
we managed to to get through that since we were both scared on our own and, and we needed <laughs> needed that person to like we'll you'll still be my friend if we suck right <laughs> yeah so then you asked me again and i heard a voice in my head when you asked me the second time that said if you don't and i'm not even bullshitting you if you okay. don't if you don't do this you will regret it and this voice was you know if if i if there was a religious inclination it was god that spoke to me if it was a non-religious okay. inclination it was your own self talking to you yeah some higher being higher yep. understanding of yourself your satanic influence it was satan telling you this whoever it was there was a voice that said that and so i was like all right well i guess we gotta fucking do this and then uh yeah then we took a class at the annoyance together and it's like been uh and like you know one, one of the reasons i wanted to to have you it's like that 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 literal that that has like shaped the course of my life for the last eight years i still have the email from the day that the annoyance emailed us and said today is your first class it's like may 14th i'm for, i forget the date may 14th or may 24th of uh 2014 so it was eight years ago in wow. may and i look at that email every now and then uh and i actually just finally added it to my calendar to like like that that day like straight up has shifted everything and like had you know i probably would have never taken improv had you not asked me multiple uh, times maybe maybe not but but you know this is how it happened and oh i mean i i know you like that you really connected to improv and like once once you got going you really took to it but i didn't really know it was like this like moment it's th it that i mean it was so as you were saying like we walked in and i remember us saying to each other like if nobody laughs at you i'll laugh at you and oh. <laughs> <laughs> pure fear yeah <laughs> and, absolutely and uh uh, Jessica Scott, who's been on this pod a bunch of times, who was in our first class, she, I think when she talks about it, she's like, I I think she said, like, <laughs> we were, I, don't, I don't think, she said we walked in holding each other's hands. And I don't think we were holding hands, but I think we were, like, very spiritually. We were, like, trying to hide behind the other. Holding each other's hands. Because, like, like, what was your, do you remember that first class? First class, not, we were we in, like, a Space that we weren't normally in during yeah so it was we like the, a lot of weird spaces yeah now the annoyance has like a really badass building on the main on uh Belmont, yeah, yeah. but for a while they I were doing rooms a lot um they were doing classes out of space. out of the industrial old like industrial revolution Carbon or architectural building. architectural revolution building or some shit yeah that was <laughs> if, if it wasn't for like improv i would be like are we gonna get stabbed here like is this is this one of those like why would you do this moments? But no, it was, yeah, it, I, I was really scared. I, you know, I'm having a beer right now just to like help me talk. Like I, I wouldn't need to like have drinks. I would, I would go like an hour early, go to like blaze pizza. Cause they had cheap uh, uh, daisy cutters and I would just have a few beers. And I, I was so anxious and nervous every class. Yeah. Me too, dude. Me too. It's, it's that, I mean, improv and the reason improv has really like stuck with me too. I mean, the, the, after the first class, because we did the first class. And then I remember we like just wandered around the neighborhood, like with two of the other girls that were in our class and just like kind of walked around and just like chilled. That's right. We went to like that bar that some serial killer hung out at. at one. Yeah. Time. Yep. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. 
L and M Lounge or some shit. It's right I on like yeah. It was a very divey looking place. I remember we uh, like a handful of us just went there, and I think we were all kind of nervous because we were one just drinking, but two like I think we were laughing a lot. Maybe like maybe like that we're hanging out with funny people, we laugh kind of thing. But I remember that being kind of cool though. Like it was it was. I remember like we we hung out with people in that class. Like we we went to a couple parties and stuff. Like we I remember Wolfgang even said like y'all y'all have been like a strange like cohort or something <laughs> wolf was our uh wolf wolf was our teacher he was the first it was his t first time teaching a class we called ourselves the wolf pack because a lot of us continued on you because you only did level one right you didn't continue i only did level one because that was when i convinced myself i needed to go to school to figure stuff out so i started going to classes thinking i was going into pharmacy, pharmacy. um yeah, yeah but that's yeah. when like therapy kind of like oh maybe I should do this. yeah so we continued like a lot of us from that level one continued to the other levels. And eventually a bunch of us did like shows together at the end. Oh, cool. Like, like after like a year's worth of taking classes, we had our own uh, midnight show at the annoyance called Clusterfuck, And it was like, like in, the actual, in the good annoyance. In the, yeah. Like, in the it, good annoyance. Is it still there? Is, huh? is it still there? I, I don't know how these things work anymore. Yeah. 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 Still there. Still. I haven't uh, been there in a while. Um, but yeah, it, uh, I saw the Cubs win the World Series there because they weren't like one of the few places that wasn't charging money, but it got like very packed. And my one friend at some point went outside to go smoke a cigarette and then they wouldn't let him back in. So then he just went home. But, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, so we continued and we called ourselves a wolf pack in honor of wolf. And we ended up doing shows. But like that first day of class at when I went home, I was like, this is what love feels like. Like it felt really straight up like wow. like this is a thing that had been like missing in my life that i didn't know i needed until it entered into my world and like all through the and so like it shifted so many things about my like my my uh my perceptions about what does it mean to be scared and what does it mean to be vulnerable and like yeah, a lot of a lot of confrontation of yourself like if you if you, if you want to get comfortable you kind of have to look at yourself that way or just overcome it yeah Big time, dude. And so it's shifted. And, you know, you're talking about like feeling like you needed a drink before, dude. Like I, I, I remember like I'd be scared all the time. And then one time before a class, I think I just went home and had a beer with dinner. And then I had one of the best like classes I've ever had. And so I was like, all right, so I'm just going to drink now before every single class. And then I was like, <laughs> and I was like, uh oh, this is like not good. And then the, the what really dude, finally yeah. made me realize, like, I was like, I got to chill the fuck out is I was, I was going to take the bus to the annoyance and so i <laughs> put booze in one bottle and a sprite like a uh, vending machine in the other hand and then i like poured it together and i'm drinking this on the bus and i was like oh this is like wait were you double fisting on the bus or was this like a i had like i i'd pre i'd like mixed oh, okay. it i thought you I were had... double fisting on the bus like shrog <laughs> They know one of them's alcohol. <laughs> the one and only time I've ever done that with friends, we were on our way to a concert. We had taken, we took the train up to this concert. We found really cheap tickets to Rusco or Dylan Francis, like $25 or some D, a DJ set. And we stupidly just put like whiskey in one water bottle and soda in another water bottle. And we're just like trying to figure out the right connection. And like multiple people did not make it to the concert. Taking cocktails in your mouth, trying yeah. to like you know, it is not a good, <laughs> good idea. Demon.
check that off the bucket list. Hell yeah, not a good idea. But yeah, I just like remember doing that, and I was like, okay, this is not good. Like this is I I you know a reliance on this is probably not helpful. Uh, and so eventually, you know, I, yeah, I, the ju- the self judgment of uh, drinking to feel comfortable certainly that's that's a real thing. And I still like having drinks before a show, but it's mostly like I just like to, uh, like it, going to improv shows and stuff is like really um. Like, I just like to hang with people, like, before shows, after shows, and, like, with my improv team or people that come out. And so, like, the the drinks before a show are really not about me needing the booze. It's, like, just, like, I want to kick it with people and, like, have fun, loose conversations before we go up on stage. That makes me feel better. The alcohol, you know, I could doesn't matter. It's always, obviously, you know, it's nice to have that there. It's fun. But, like, I need the loose convos before I go up on stage more than anything else. No, that's fair. Like, yeah, Social aspect is huge. And, and, and I think that was one, I don't know if that was overwhelming for me or not, because like one thing I've learned about myself is I'm so introverted. Like I, I people tell me I'm like the most introvert, introverted person they know. And I'm just like, okay. So yeah, like that, I don't know if improv was good for me in that way. I think, I don't know if the people exhausted me or or if that's still the barrier, but like you clearly took to it. And like that, that fed you, that, that like, that gave you that energy probably. Yeah, I mean, and yeah, I don't really, yeah, it definitely did. But it's just because it felt, I don't know, man. It was just like a very, it was just one of those. It's like, oh, this was like always meant to be, you know, like there are things that help us get over whatever fear we have. And it's hard to know why that thing is the thing or that person was the person whose information I listened to. Like, it's hard to know why that, you know, other than like, other than like a very spiritual, like that's just what it was supposed to happen. Totally. And, and, and like you kind of need people in that way like that that's part of the experience is, is just well, one like obviously you're in it together but, but i mean it's it kind of sounds like what you and i were for each other like we're there's this camaraderie to it like we're in this together we're all probably scared whether we're talking about it or not but you know at the same time we we want that acceptance and so therefore we're giving that acceptance at the same time if that makes sense yeah i mean that's what it felt like in those classes like i remember sitting around and everybody talking about their like prior experience and like you were i don't know had you had like any acting or any experience before that oh like like middle school like okay and same here like i had basically none and we're in a room where like Jess has like a bachelor's in, a BFA in like acting and has done plays and there's all these other people who have like done a bunch who of other done shit other improv like one oh ones or or courses and yeah like, we thought it was for beginners yeah and you and I are like uh, I don't know we watch stand up sometimes and we like talk about fun Podcasts, stuff yeah. Yeah, I know. so like, like <laughs> so that was like horrifying because it's like well how in the hell am oh, I supposed so to ridiculous and but then like what it was real cool was that like it, it, improv it seemed like equalized because nobody had really you know some people maybe had some improv experience but like most of them had like you know even with acting experience like improv is so uh different and sure. that's where i think like the we all got like all the stuff from the outside became completely irrelevant your background as uh whatever did matter you were just here mm-hmm. together like being scared trying to learn sharing your heart and like that feeling was bonkers. <laughs> horrible, man. Oh man, I, I, I there's a couple of moments I look back on and like moments that that y'all probably don't care about or or you know appreciate or maybe even thought was like funny and genuine. But I look back and just like cringe on of like I can't believe I fucking did that. And and I think that's the part I can't escape is this like self magnifying glass of myself of like just 
watching myself do it yeah and not letting myself be free in it because or at least i didn't didn't stick to it enough to get to that level because because yeah I, I can see that just being so freeing and just like who gives a shit and then like i'm just gonna go out there and do what comes up and yeah when you know, what are some do you want to are there any moments that you have that are there any that you want to share uh, you don't, have, you don't have to one... I forget what the it was like the musical class or something and I forget, we had to do like reaction thing and I had like a pre-notion one like which was against the the rule but it was fine like I did like a I don't know I started like like heavy metal rocking out picking up change like just like going to town for whatever reason and I, I just feel very awkward <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean I didn't do my first after that first improv, like the 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 first the collected collection of classes, I had told myself I'm just gonna take classes forever. Like I'm I don't ever plan on going to do a show. And I did do a show for a year. It took me a really long time to that feel like a short time, really. Like that a year doesn't sound like long. Oh yeah, I don't know. I mean, because like some of these now, like after each level, they make you do a class, which is probably a good thing. Like get oh, you up on stage. It's probably yeah. better. But I, it took a long time, oh. but like yeah, there's just uh like you know, obviously we we all care very much. Like I want people to like me, and I want I want oh, it yeah. to be funny. And, and how much of it is that like that ego wanting that acceptance and then of course, man, on stage that's vulnerable. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's just like the the power that I feel up on stage now from that. Like, and and it's also what what's been kind of a trip about it all is it's also significantly impacted my like professional uh 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 trajectory um my personal like from a like prior to that like I was around the time like the reason I was teaching a class to pharmacy technicians was I in pharmacy school I got a little bit of an insight that I think I wanted to teach like there was a through a lot of school we do these like talks and presentations where it felt like we were being like um graded on our knowledge like like the people that were grading us were, were it felt like they were like let me make sure like i know all the answers let's see if you can check box all the answers and so that made me really nervous and so then once i started doing uh like presentations about newer topics what's it no i think mean, i was i was being a therapist like nervous tell me about oh. that. <laughs> but, but just like like you as a student you mean yeah Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I would just get like, it would just feel like we were basically doing like an oral quiz almost. Like I needed to say all the right answers to make sure you got the checkbox kind of thing. So, so, and then once in our final year of pharmacy school, we started giving more like presentations on like different topics and stuff. So it was like an opportunity to actually educate versus being quizzed on your knowledge, even though you're still getting peppered with questions, but it just felt like the, I don't know, the power balance shifted a little bit. Like it wasn't like an oral test. Oh, it was totally. more like, I'm teaching you. And so then I, I started to feel like, oh, this feels different. Like this feels kind of yeah. good. Um, and so then I wanted to teach pharmacy technicians. This opportunity came up and it was a chance to just for me to be like, all right, well, let me just go hard and see if I can teach. And so I'm teaching a eight hour class on Saturdays, teaching yeah, like that shit sucked, dude. It was like just so much, man. I like don't even know. It's on Saturdays. I have four, I have to teach pharmacy law and pharmacy calculations and fucking two therapeutics and something else to a room of like people who just graduated college, 19 year olds, so like people in their fifties and sixties who just have to get certification to those 20 year olds <laughs> and like trying to teach people like math and stuff. Cause they haven't like had to do math in a very long time. So I'm like going, yeah. it sucked, but what I, it was just hard. 
But what I learned is that I wanted to teach. Like I was like, okay, cool. This is my like vibe. I'd still get pretty nervous and stuff. But yeah, improv is like pretty significantly shifted the way that I present now. My my level of confidence and comfortability oh, and like being myself and charisma being... and just commanding a room if you needed to, or just handling people if you need to. Like that's a, that's a all that stuff, man. Like it feels like uh like I I approach presentations like a performance. Like very much like like almost the same lights on feeling that happens with an improv show happens with every presentation that I do like nervous 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 and then bang lights are on let's get this shit cracking and it's I think it's you know through improv that, that some of that stuff has shifted oh yeah it's a sink or swim moment like just like because like I, I talk about this with my clients a lot like the anticipation of something is so much worse than actually doing it like the vast vast majority of the time and so that that just like push you on stage and, and now you're doing it thing like you know once you're doing it now you can be done doing it like you know that that relief or that 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 anxiety is gone and then on the other side who knows maybe you're even loving it you're enjoying it you're, you're, you're feeling free yeah yeah dude it's been really like uh like it's a, like yeah i feel very i probably said this before but like i feel very much like an improv evangelist like i'm like on the streets being like <laughs> everyone needs to do this Ew. shit it's completely changed my life and you need to be saved also you dirty heathen is how i feel no, about no yeah that's, a, that's such a universal thing though i think that like i mean we all look for a thing like i i, I got trained in emdr do you know what that is or you heard, heard uh -huh. that it's a type of therapy it's this like all you do i mean there's a lot to it but like it you do this like alternating on your body or or eye oh, movement. Okay, okay, yep, yep. The left brain, right brain thing, and, and it simulates like REM sleep, and and it just it lets your body just process it. Um, so I got trained in that like not that long ago, and one like it really can be cathartic, like going like receiving it, like part of the getting trained was we had to receive it, we had to role play it. Um, but but because people had that kind of catharsis experience of like, oh my god, like like why do I just feel differently about all this? it is suddenly they're like oh my i want to tell all my friends about this i want to do this to all my friends because and you don't have to be you know you don't you're not technically a therapist when you do it and just all this stuff but like people find that answer or find that thing like for me it's pinball like pinball meta metaphorically saved my life because it's just given me something to like care about something to like look at myself through and like confront myself of like okay i want to be better at this what am i doing wrong and then you know not just like playing pinball but like life habits and and how i relate to the game because there's you know you, you fail every ball every ball drains and so there's that confrontation of like uh and man like for at first like i would react so strongly and like judge myself and get so critical but like wanting to be good at it i suddenly accept it i accept these these flaws of me as just being part of growth and and like i don't know it's like getting through that other side and getting to the place where you want to be it sounds like improv has been that for you yeah yeah definitely okay so two things um can you talk a little bit more about emdr and how that works and what's happening because i think i've had uh hope england on my podcast she talked a little bit about it but yeah I mean, can you because i yeah i only kind of know very i mean i don't know shit about it so like yeah yeah yeah. and, and, and this is very much in a nutshell um you can go in um, outside of the nutshell if you want to we got all the time in the world yeah it, it's 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 long and drawn out and all over <laughs> i do that um but and it's so you you know there's something that's bothering you um the therapist will kind of or the person guiding you will kind of connect it to memories and and you know conjure up some of those feelings in your body because that's where, where your feelings really are 
and and so the memories is supposed to kind of create like this neural pathway and like or like kind of just uh light up a neural pathway that's there that's this these chain of memories chains of events that we just have a negative belief about ourselves and then the processing is just you kind of focus on something you focus on a thought a memory a body sensation and there's a lot of ways to do it but some way of getting your body alternating left right gets your left brain right brain going in a way that that's simulates REM cycles, which, you know, is where our body processes a lot of stuff. And it just does something like it, 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 the body just starts to do what it needs to do. And it's, it's really strange. And, and for a lot of people, it can be very helpful and, and helpful quickly. It's all, it's, it's almost, I joke that it's voodoo with my clients sometimes because like, it seems like it shouldn't work, but it just does. And, and so, yeah, so a lot of people, just really connect to it and 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 like believe it in themselves and become really passionate about it and want to teach it and want to you know give it out to the world because it's done so much for them so um so it's helping your brain make like new connections and like breaking up the... so, so yeah so so you kind of like you know it's like you know if a person is a big knot has a big knot within themselves it kind of slowly starts to undo the knot and so those negative beliefs about yourself starting to loosen up and then the therapist will also kind of like, well, what do you want to believe in, in this situation? And it kind of, you know, just doing the same things. Once you kind of get the, the, the relationships, the negative belief down, you kind of, you allow it to build up in a different way. And a lot of times they're just like those affirmations about yourself. Like, I want to believe that I can do my best. I want to believe that I am lovable, you know, and just, just stuff like that, really basic core things. And that starts to feel a little more real it's really weird like it's just the junk that gets in the way from these things being true or, or being not true the the body just does what it needs to do a little interesting i think part of like i mean um uh, i think hope and i've talked a little bit about like where uh like things reside and a lot of it being sort of in different parts of your body and so i think it's just like that's where Very like the movement stuff just like because even just like i'll just be sitting all day uh this isn't emdr related but you know just like sitting all day and i can feel like my oh, body yeah. just kind of sitting like this and i'll be like oh, i feel like shit and like almost just like a simple like stretching out like you know i just feel taller i feel a little bit better and like yeah just little shit like that it's uh i yeah that feels good i've been uh um uh, yeah, there's a like, what's well, in our head by default like yeah we're, we're, we overthink we're you know that's the world we, we we're constantly trying to navigate this world and navigate this all of our shit or or shit that we anticipate which is more of it but yeah it, it it really is a balance of brain and body and like if your body's feeling a certain way it's gonna affect your thoughts your thoughts are gonna interpret the body parts because that's where the emotions actually are and then yeah if we're if we're feeling like shit we're scrounging up yeah yeah. Do you guys, do you do any work with like, um, like psychedelic stuff or like psychedelic therapy or like shrooms or ketamine or any of that? No, there's, there's a couple ketamine clinics in Boise, which I think is, is pretty good for us. Um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm curious about it. And, and I guess one way, one, one day my, my career could go that way, but not my, I don't, yeah, I don't know anything about it myself. Uh, the only thing, the only reason I ask is because it seems like a lot of that, what those, what they, that also focuses on maybe this is just therapy in general but like it, it's trying to like make new connections with old memories or like trying to break cycles with stuff that you get caught up in that thought loop and so you're stuck in there and these things yeah. kind of catch it and create a new loop 
Yeah, I, I at my at the Christian university I went to, I did write in in my drugs class. I wrote uh, the benefits of psychedelics for a paper, um, and yeah, I, I forget the the mechanism of of how it works, but like, or maybe they don't even know, but it, they kind of call it like a reset. Like you know, there's all these negative things, these 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 habits, you know, these things that are ingrained within us. Yeah, and somehow psychedelics kind of loosen those up and kind of allow new ones to form and those ones to to maybe not be there anymore i think what uh, i was watching um there's this vice journalist named ben anderson who would he this british dude he's freaking awesome he would just embed himself in like all these horrible uh like wars that were happening in the middle east and he'd embed himself with the uh that's not what made, I mean. What made him awesome is he was going pretty deep in the trenches, not that the fact wars yeah, and stuff. Intense. Yeah, and so he and so he'd be like with like like frontline Afghan military and all that stuff. But he was saying he didn't realize that he was like he's sort of even though he's not he's just there talking to them and watching it. He was like catching sort of secondhand like trauma and stuff. And so he oh he God, he yeah. talked about PTSD and and he went through his own um, psychedelic therapy. But uh, it was either through him or some someone else who had talked about a similar thing. But I think one of the things is it helps you. Uh, like it brings to the when done correctly with like um a therapist and uh like a physician or whoever whatever the team is you can appropriately bring up the trauma and be able to like it needs to be guided because that's that's what that's what bad trips are it's internal you know the the subconscious becomes conscious when psychedelic so yeah yeah you got trauma guess what trauma's gonna come up and so someone to help manage that guide that and it allows it to come up so you can like actually like uh, yeah address it you know in a, an appropriate way in a it, and so yeah i think part of it is like uh it brings because yeah like you just said it brings the subconscious to the conscious so you can break down those barriers to allow it to come up so you can actually yeah. like address it right and a lot of this like in, in emdr i heard a metaphor in, in the in the class it was like it's like taking your client through a haunted house but you the therapist has a flashlight and so it's, you know, in order to deal with this shit, yeah, you kind of have to be able to look at it or, or be willing to let it exist and, and all of its scariness. But that at least kind of allows somewhere to go with it. Are you doing virtual sessions or in-person sessions? Uh, I'm like half and half these days. So how does like the, if that metaphor of having someone walk through a haunted house, like, you know, with a flashlight, how does that work virtually? Um, if it's like, is that, do you find that harder? to do it virtually not really um the well a lot of a lot of my clients like to close their eyes it kind of helps them like you know get out of the room and, and you know not watch yourself do this because a lot of that self-analyzing thing uh, um so the, the only issue i've had with uh doing it online is like if they're closing their eyes how do they hear me because I'm, I'm doing it with them keeping pace um there's lots of toys and gadgets and if you do it in person like i'm still pretty new at it so i haven't invested a lot into it financially yet um but there's all sorts of devices there's like these buzzer things that kind of will alternate which which one they buzz there's headphones that alternate tones there's like a light bar that's pretty common that goes back and forth but truthfully as long as you're you know you can do knee taps um yeah lots of stuff um as long as you're getting that back and forth theoretically it's doing what it needs to that's really kind of wild that it's like really um fun. what's that it is wild. Like it, it can be so simple, but yeah. 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 Sometimes it feels like, um, yeah, the solutions to a lot of things 
can maybe be simpler, like, like just, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, I, and I'm not even trying to say like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. In a vacuum, simpler, yeah. But it's just like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that like, yeah, I think sometimes it feels like life is really complicated because there's just so many like layers and things that we've like, lay just we just put them on top of each other, societally, us, and there's oh, yeah. just all other shit that like, <laughs> you know, like for myself, it's like yeah, if I, mean, I if I could eat, you know, if, and I think I eat okay, but like if I ate better and I slept better and like that could probably correct you know, just the like, like for me, I think like just making sure I stay physically active allows me to stay fucking level-headed in most of life. Like I can go to a workout class, like I'll go to like this hot yoga class and just like have, like, I remember in a class one time, I'm just like looking at everyone being like, I'm fucking better than you. I'm better than you. This is all in my head. And it's all just, I'm just trying to push myself to an extreme level, but it's like, oh damn, I have, I'm like, I've learned a lot about myself and what drives me and motivates me, but like, it's a, it's a space to do that. I'm not in there screaming at anyone. I'm just in my own head trying to, you know, go push myself as far as I can. But that allows me to then like be fucking calm throughout most of the, the day. Yeah. I mean, it's a slice of the pie, you know, like self, self care is just like a very complicated, big pie that can be got divvied up a lot of ways but like yeah i mean sometimes just getting that one thing will kind of loosen up enough to do another thing then will that allow another thing and, yeah and letting that process exist not like a, okay i'm doing this now i have to do this all the time and, and now the other thing now i can do this all the time like like chill out be cool with yourself allow yourself to suck and fail at this because it's hard but but yeah um yeah something i've been thinking about as we've been talking and i, I say to my clients sometimes is like personality is basically just trauma response like, like we're we're all exhausted we're all pushed to the limits we're all we all have our trauma and and we're all coping with some something more or less somewhere in our past and so you know how much of, of you know our our negative habits is coping how much of our positive habits is coping like you know we're all kind of you know self-care is a weird thing because it's not in a vacuum like in a vacuum would we be fine or or is it the external that's that's creating all this and 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 yeah and how do you but but be that as it may that's that's the cards we got and that's a big thing that's much bigger than us and so here we are just navigating as best we can yeah yeah and there's so many things that like the 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 what influenced us into becoming who we are and like consciously and unconsciously like I was just I forgot who I was talking about I was just like. I think like my hope is that I, if I ever have children, I don't consciously, like I want to learn from my parents and like correct to the things. And like, I don't want to, like, I'm going to, I'd like to not, there are things in myself that I'm not aware of and all this stuff. What's that? Not fuck up your kids the way that you got fucked up. Yeah. But fuck them up in another way. That's like a progress from the way that I was fucked up. Like that's the ideal. I learned from my mistakes and then I'm just, there are just things I don't know yet. And so like, that's the hope I learned from the new shit. And then I like, you know, I, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going, you're going to, I remember at my parents, me, my mom and my dad went and grabbed dinner a couple of years ago um, for their anniversary. And it's just the three of us and we're at this like local pizza place. And my dad's like, my, my parents aren't like really big drinkers, but my dad's like, let's get a pitcher of beer. And I was like, fuck yes, let's get a pitcher of beer, bro. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome, dude. But we're sitting there and we're just like, just a fun, open conversation. We really don't I have, a, 
<laughs> and this is maybe just a couple sips of the booze. I don't even know if the booze was the. I just it's a. It was just there. You know, it's an important character. It's not an important the dynamic though. It loosens it up. <laughs> like even just just the presence of oh they're having a beer too. Like does that just like mentally say like oh I I can not around my parents <laughs> and so we're sitting there and we're just like talking and, and uh there's a lot of people that live in my house and so it's very rare that it's just the three of us or like the four of us with my sister like we just haven't had a lot of just dinners with our small groups because we're at home with the family and we go out it's a family so like just the you know i we have our own little group chat but just the that dynamic is we just don't have a lot of it so it's really kind of cool when we do get that and so we're sitting and talking and i i told my <laughs> told my parents i was like you know you guys fucked me up and i don't mean that in a bad way what what i mean by that is like sure. you're just people who were trying to do stuff and you know trying to be very conscious and being very beautiful loving parents but like yeah. they're just things you don't know and i and i and i i think i said it in a way where i was like not we weren't arguing like and they didn't take it as an argument but i and sometimes i don't know i think it's i, I don't know i think sometimes it's i choose honest. it's not like yeah, yeah. i think i maybe choose the funnier way to me to say that that's like i could have said it a lot more like normal but i just but, like but they'll also hear how they want they they you know part of hearing it is as themselves but but it sound, sounds like it was being a curve yeah we were just what i was just trying to say was that which is like you know there are just things that you're you're working on yourself we're working on ourselves and you just there are things that you didn't know that now today still impact me and so now it's my responsibility to like sift through that shit you know like rewire myself all that shit to like work through that because it's like you are and you've learned from what your parents did and you've taken things that you didn't like and you've fixed that and then there's things that you're just still a growing person you're not you know we're, we're not perfect there is that very human part of it um it's funny what you were saying about like you know learning from your parents and 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 you know doing your best and, and it sounds like that's what it is doing your best and acknowledging that human part um, in school, like being in, in family therapy, you learn about systems, which is basically just generational shit, like what, what one generation is like, and then what gets handed down to the next, and what gets handed down to the next, and just like those commonalities and everything. And like, it, it's funny, because my, my parents both had one very kind, loving, sweet parent, nurturing parent, and then one just kind of cold, maybe even mean parent, and who like never said, I love you, you know, that was just not something they heard. And then my parents, I feel like they almost went the, the, the opposite way to the point of like, they were giving so much unconditional love that they almost didn't stop and look at what was happening. It was just like unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional love, which is lovely. And I should not be complaining. It's a lot of privilege in that. But at the same time, it missed, it missed so much of just like my individual needs growing up. Cause it was one of those, like, I, we, we were one of those families. We don't talk about shit. So I had to be okay. Despite how I was actually <laughs> feeling. Like, and then. Yeah. It down. <laughs> so yeah, just the, you, know, you, you, you adjust from one generation, but does that adjustment just then cause another thing? And it, I see a lot of the world and especially with clients and just these, these dynamics it's a lot of give take it's not like a you know got that taken care of and now it's clear and it'll be easy it's all you know you know, you give attention somewhere it's pulling from somewhere else and and you know we all get our scathings in life that's just part of life and if yeah. we all have our trauma we do yeah and and yeah so you know some bit of fucking up is is probably going to happen but it sounds like you're aware of it but you're just you're doing your best well i think that's just like uh yeah my hope is to learn from the you know the just sure. learn from them but as imperfect people like you you have and like 
yeah, you'd sort of have to have experiences to become aware of the your like weak points, either in conversations with individuals of like, oh fuck, like I didn't give you the thing that you needed in that moment. And I didn't realize like that that isn't what you needed. And now I'm aware that I need to be a little <laughs> bit more con like those little things. It's like I wouldn't have known that sure. until it, we got into some kind of heated exchange or whatever. And it's like yeah. it's all love, especially if it's done with you know people you care about, then there's always hopefully like you know a uh back back end of like I care and I love you, but we got an issue. Let's talk about it. You know, oh, like, shit. yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. It, it's not about avoiding those fights or, or whatever, those conversations. It's just, it's how you handle them. It's how you get through them. Like, yeah. They're inevitable. And so the, the, the reconnect at the end of it and the understanding at the end of it, that's the important thing. So like, so like, you know, you, you, uh, you, you learn about family therapy and you know that there's like a, uh, I guess what I'm asking is like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I guess like, uh, you know, there's a, if you, if you kind of know how you can maybe help couples be better <laughs> yeah. or and, and maybe the answer is just like communication, you know, like we're talking about simple answers like that's, you know, not to say that doing the communication is easy, but we know that that's communication, I guess. Like, is there ever a part of you that's like, man, I do want to go back and I want to help these couples out. Or is it just like, it's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And, and that, it, that comes down to like, you know, there's the communication part, but then there's just people who don't fit and they don't know that they don't fit because they fall in love with the idea of each other or they they, they really enjoy each other at first. And, they, and, and especially in, in this town, which, you know, I, I'm very angsty about, it's like, you know, there's a lot of Mormon or a lot of LDS people. And so there is kind of- LDS that, is Latter-day Saints, right? Latter-day Saints, yeah. Um, you know, that's just culture. That's, you know, they can't have sex till marriage. And guess what? kids get horny and they want to have sex and they'll get married and and they'll they'll fall in love with falling in love right because that's kind of part of being young and and so this you know I, and and so anyway so that, i think that culture is just bled out into a lot of around here and so you know you don't get a lot of those clients who are just like yeah we just want to be better we want to be proactive about things it's a lot of clients who is just like you know, I, I can't have this opinion in, in session, but my personal opinion is just like, they should just break up. Like, they are just not a good fit for each other. They, they, yeah, they fell in love with the idea of this, not so, you know, I, I remember having a client who was like, I'll never do better. And it's just like, all right, that's not going to help in the end. Like, like, so it's just, I don't know, at the end, but, but all those things are very individual also. Like, you know, it's not, you know, people fall in love with the idea of being falling in love because what's missing inside what's hurting inside where's that void inside that this idea is supposed to fill and 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 with the narrative around here in a lot of uh, places you know and and feeding love stories and just like in media um pop culture like this idea of love just we buy into it we lean into it so hard and when we and we fall in love like or, or we have that new relationship energy yeah it feels fucking great and so you get you you get intoxicated by it and so of course here's my person and, and all those things that's falling into place and it's really ha happening and then the realization of oh shit life's long we have to deal with each other and and also learn about yourselves because they don't know themselves at that point do you think that that's a big like, I guess from what you've seen, like that, what you just said of like, it's a maybe having not spent enough time sort of working on the individual before they enter into this like very high stakes thing with another person. 
like relationship maybe? yeah or just like like the people yeah so like have you noticed like people like you just said like not working on themselves like is have you is it people who if they had spent more time working on themselves maybe they would have been with someone else or they would have been in a different kind of thing that's complicated like yeah i'm gonna give like my 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 very biased answer like i, I honestly think this is one of my my parents flaws was they they started having kids when they were like 23 and they just they they walk the line just like everybody else they got on that escalator like everybody else and so you don't know yourself right like i, yeah. I wouldn't say i've really known myself you know as best as i i do at this point until i was like close to 30 let alone you know let alone 22 oh my god no yeah. and when i was certainly like love that idea of like i want to find my person in college that's where you find your person right like and 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 so yeah i don't know i think i'm, I'm going off on my own tangent i'm losing my own track my own thought yeah no it's just like yeah what do you what do you, like yeah what like what do you see when you've seen like healthy couples and stuff like what are like are there themes that you've th- that i don't know maybe that's hard to answer but like that's hard to answer and yeah. I, I tend to not see the healthy like oh I sure that that's true my job is kind of doom and gloom a lot of times. Um, <laughs> yeah, really yeah. My perception sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, just working on myself in relationships, like a lot of confronting myself, like everything I just said about that love and that projection, that, that feeling, that void, like I was hurting as a kid. I didn't know it for a long time. I had depression my whole life and, and didn't really give credence to what that meant. Um, but, but still with just trying to feel better and trying to find people to please make me feel better please make me feel better but in the end it was a lot of like i am hurting and what you know people may or may not be there so how am i gonna try to be okay regardless and then with that knowledge with that processing with that growth okay now how do i bring a person into this but also you know being responsible for myself and my feelings and and my my well-being and this person is not meant to fix me they're meant to enhance me yeah yeah it seems like the more yeah you know i think i want to just the more i can understand myself the feel i feel like the better i can be like a better everything to people like either a better partner a better brother a better Absolutely. friend like and that's like kind of my the yeah, i i, I want to like i've been doing therapy for maybe like two years now two, okay, two I was and a half you, yeah and it's been a trip, dude. It's been really cool. And like a, a friend of mine had described it like, you know, it's really just like a chance to like, how did he describe it? He said like, it's like having a really good friend because they're just there to listen without like judgment. And maybe that's his, you know, his approach to it. But like, but it's just an interesting opportunity. The way the therapist described it is like, it's just a chance to have a release valve in your life. Like, you know, just to talk about whatever and not looking for answers necessarily. It's just a chance to be like, you know, it can be whatever you need it to be. And that can be, you know, as long as we have those appropriate things. But yeah, I mean, it, it's just been a chance to have to, the thing that comes up with me a lot, she'll be like, that's a, fe- that's a, that's a rationalization. Like, what's the feeling behind it? Like, what do you feel? It's like, I don't fucking know. Leave me alone. Like, stop goddamn <laughs> ask me. But it's like really cool. Cause it's like, what it's just like, you know, the, uh, just constantly having to think about that like you know what's behind the thing that's there uh like yeah it's it's been it's been an interesting and i didn't even go in with really like 
you know, I had some kind of idea of what I wanted to get out of it, but really it was just like, I've been thinking about it for a really long time and was kind of, you know, scared for a variety of reasons to do it. But like, it's been really cool. Just a chance to like, sometimes it's like, oh, like there have been moments where it's like, this is the first person I've spoken to since like something happened. Um, and so like, it's a cool chance to just hear it out so I can process it. I mean, I've been trying to do a lot of like writing too over the last year, a lot more. Sorry, yeah a chance to like uh cuz there's been times where it's like there's a friend of mine who I like to talk through a lot of shit with and he's just not always available he's also like I'm not trying to be like I don't need you to be my problem person I just like talking through stuff with you so I'll have moments sure. where it's like Absolutely. let me just uh let me just start writing and let me just get it out of my body so we can work exactly. through it for myself but like all all of those things like it's any you know it's like one of the many elements of the things that I try to do to like understand what's going on in my head be clearer as best as i can um and yeah help me like think through a bunch of shit yeah you gotta let it out somehow like there really is like i i can use the metaphor of like if, if you're not telling anybody about what's just stewing around in your head it's like literally a weight you're carrying and it gets fucking heavy it's not so much you can't handle it it's just you have to handle it every day and that gets exhausting and and yeah talking to a therapist journaling about it somehow just getting it out you know it's it's letting that weight off or it's it's allowing the therapist carry the weight for a while so you get a break and yeah it's it's it needs to come out one way or the other if you're just kind of stewing on it it because it, yeah a lot of dwelling a lot of just you get in these cycles and, and there's no answers and there's constantly questions and that just, that can just get really heavy after a while yeah, that shit just like really weighs on you. And, you know, obviously things, some things will, it's not like I talk about it with a friend and I feel better right away, but like, it's very much just like what writing feels like is like, I just need to like get it out of my head and I need yeah. to put it somewhere. And even just that little thing, like really feels good. Cause it's like, okay, at least I, now I've worked through part of it. We started. Yeah. It's processed a little bit. And yeah. the same thing with like the body, you know, exercise, like, you know, like I said earlier, like the, the feelings are in the body. The brain is just interpreting what, what that feels like or what that, that the memory that feels like. And so the same thing, like if, if you're feeling your body being triggered, you gotta let it out somehow. You gotta, you know, exercise dance around stretch you know just like shake your body just you know do something to get it out because the more we just kind of like keep it in guess what it, it we literally carry it like like i've been going to the chiropractor for this past year and <laughs> realized oh shit i've had a lot of just bad posture over the years and like forward headness and and it i'm certain it, it's a lot of it's stress like it has to be just that stress and that depression and that anxiety it's just like the way i uh, like you said earlier, like when I'm feeling bad about myself, you know, and it's, yeah. a lot of it had to have been that. And I needed a physical correction in order to hopefully kind of allow my body to, to metaphorically think of myself better. Dude, I've been going, so there's a, uh, this, um, like masseuse that's like pretty close to my apartment. And, uh, she's like a little connected with, she's a very interesting individual who we've talked about like the, moon impacting the flow of water and like okay. how we have water in our she might have a little bit of yeah she might have a little bit of witch in her <laughs> and, and like talk about how like we're made we're like 70 percent of water so like obviously the you know the moon's gonna like impact you and i was like wow that's fucking wild dude but like when i go and get a massage there i have like sensory uh like hallucinations sometimes like it there there's like one time like her apron just like w like moved across the like top of the bed and it sounded like a like a not a screech but like a loud like 
roar of like in a good way, not a bad way, but like there was one time. What's that? It's like a big sound. Yeah. And she was like, there was like, she was like massaging stuff in my back and like just a random fucking memory like popped into my head that I hadn't even thought of in forever. And I was like, was that fucking memory like just locked up in that part of my back and just like little shit like that of like you know the memories are there are things that are in different parts of our body that we don't know and you know not that that memory was like you know locked up here but like just that poking and something yeah that i think it's like so yeah it's like really important man yeah yeah, yeah. a lot of it's just getting in your head and like getting in your body because like, yeah just you know that they'll, you know everybody reads the body keeps a score that that big trauma book and, and everybody reads what uh, the book, um, The Body Keeps a Score, it's it's like the go-to trauma book. And, and it's basically, the title is that like our bodies carry things like memories and, and those triggers and those sensory things. Those are those are memories. Those are emotions. And if something brushes on it, then yeah, some of those things can come back. And for some people, that's really scary. But again, yeah. that also allows some something to be done about it. Yeah. The Body Keeps Score. Hmm. Interesting. Keeps Keeps the score? Keeps the score. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. How'd you, uh, yeah, talk a little bit about pinball. Tell me how that is connected to your life story. Yeah. Tell us, um, tell us about it. So some, when I was living in Austin before Chicago, I went to a place called Pinballs with a buddy. I can't remember if he was having like just like a, a bro's night out or, or like a bachelor party thing. Um, but we went to a place called Pinballs and, you know, I played pinball like in movie theaters as a kid and all that, but went there and it was really fun and i think i think it was the second time i went there i remember like having like you know hitting a few shots and feeling all good about myself and thinking like i might have put up a high score or something and then looked at the actual high scores and they were just like beyond what i had done and just having this moment of like oh i want to be good at this for some reason i just wanted to be good at it um i think like seeing the challenge of like oh good scores are that okay i'm i'm, I'm intrigued all of a sudden and then like, it just became my thing. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a huge loner. I'm a huge introvert. So that became my, like, you know, go to a bar, go to a brewery, go to an arcade bar, bring my headphones, have some beers, maybe even smoke a little weed before or whatever, and just like escape and just, just kind of get lost in it and, and just wanting to get better at it and just like kind of falling in love with it, falling in love with the challenge of it. You know, it, there's the flashing things and, and all those like, uh endorphin boosts that you get and and just the brutalness of it pinball is so hard it's so brutal and i think i just kind of love that for some reason like i just i don't know just wanted to overcome it or something i don't know it just became my thing and then like it, it's kind of funny moving so chicago is big for pinball so that was my my jam um in pinball and or in chicago and then moving to boise you know not nearly as much pinball except I got my dad hooked on it and my dad's kind of a compulsive collector and he and another guy who have, who had a collection like pulled it. And so now there's the Idaho pinball museum that I am, I am Royal family of technically. Um, Whoa. Congratulations. Yeah. And how exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's been a little weird. Cause now my dad is, is, is cramping my style a little bit. <laughs> Cause pinball has always been my, my alone thing. And, and now there's like a community here and, and everything just kind of like, Oh, I don't know what to do. My dad's a part of it. Like that's really funny. Like this thing that's like so important to you. There's like other people who want to do it, and you're like, get the fuck out of here, bro. This is my Kinda, shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I I definitely have a reputation of of just having my headphones, not looking or talking to anybody, just playing. Um, a lot of brooding energy. I've been told, which which I kind of like. <laughs> 
Dang. Okay. Interesting. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's uh like yeah, I don't even think I know anyone that likes pinball or like like this, oh, like this, it's like this. It's we exist. We and we're growing too. Like I have a weird feeling it it kind of already happened, but I have a weird feeling like in the next however many years, ESPN is gonna have like a gaming network um or a channel and pinball is just gonna be part of it because pinball is a thing. What is the what what okay, so how does one become better at pinball? Because I've played pinball as well. And uh That's a big question, Gerard. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we brought you here, but um, um yeah. Yeah, because I I will tell you that it's uh yeah, you know, I'm just looking at it and hitting things and then it's sometimes I lose and I go away. But yeah, okay, so so basic things to know is like it's it's much more nuanced. So the new games are really complicated. There's a lot of strategy and a lot of hidden things. If you do this in a certain order, you can do this, and, and that's you get a lot of points that way. Um, but as far as like you just walking up to a pinball machine and what can you do, if something is flashing, generally speaking, it's worth hitting for whatever reason. So if something's flashing, go for it. And then try to cradle the ball, like like kind of hold the flipper up and the ball right here. And and try to slow it down. Like people, people yeah. are just like flailing like that. Don't do that. Um, don't hit the flippers at the same time. That's 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 pretty amateur. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's my move. Okay, okay, okay. Good job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. There's a lot of nuance to it. I could I could go real in depth into it. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of chaos. Pinball is a lot of chaos, and it's a lot of playing defense. And so if you can somehow learn to control the ball enough, and cradling comes into that um and so that then you can start to play a little bit offense and kind of having a strategy and learning what the game's code is and, and what to hit and where the points are and and so it's, and that's where like the conf confronting yourself comes in because you're gonna suck for a real long time yeah and it's frustrating but boy is it just i don't know calls you back it's very interesting how pretty much everything has like a like analyzing what life is oh. in a nutshell, like everything does. Like you, know, you talk about pinball like that, like, you know, a lot of life, you know, you at some point, like I think I'm somewhat kind of, not fully, but there are moments where I'm like, like about two years ago, I had this feeling professionally, like I'm finally actually one, understand what my true skill is, even though I kind of knew that to some degree, but like I finally okay. know that I am like, uh, you know, like speaking and giving presentations is like something I think I'm good at. And there was just a moment where I was like, got it. Okay. It's in. Now I fully understand. Now we can switch from like, now I'm 1000% in control. And that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be new things and all that shit. And then just from like, uh, like, you know, just 30, turn 35 to, no, I don't know. I don't know when I'm putting this up, but I turned 35 on the 27th of December. And, uh, you know, there's like, the, yeah, two days ago and whenever I put this out, probably <laughs> like six. But I don't know when this is going to come out and it might be five oh, months yeah, yeah, down yeah. the road. So just whatever, whatever yeah. this comes out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, like even this year, just finally having this like feeling of like, okay, I'm an adult. And not, you know, whatever, that's just an internal thing of just, you know, whatever that thought means. But like, there's this, you know, what you just described with that pinball shit, like, you know, most of it, life is a pretty chaotic thing. And you have these moments where you're like, you can pick kind of 
peep what's going on and allow it to slow down a little bit because that's like yeah i mean life is just there's all these fucking things being thrown at you and other people's ideas and like flashing lights and like and all that and, and, up a shit ton. yeah 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 and you sort of have to like you have to go to go through that process and eventually you get to a point where you can like keep the flipper in the ball and hold it there and you're like okay let's take a goddamn second to just figure out what's going on with life you know and, and oh yeah I had a really weird, like, cathartic night during COVID. Um, like, the, I was at my the, the collection, the pinball collection, and just like drinking, and, and like I realized that <laughs> this is probably unhealthy, but something about drinking just like lets me process, especially when I'm alone, because I was just like in my headphones, I was just like singing and dancing and whatever. I was just like, and I, I honestly think I may have done EMDR myself because like the pinball going back and forth. I kind of I, I have a a. a I'm working on that. Anyways. Oh, um, okay. Okay. I was going to. Okay. Cool. 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 Not Good really, job. but it's an idea that I need to. I'm, I'm never mind. Uh, this thing's dated. So that's my idea. Um, but there was, I, it was during COVID and, and I was anticipating going to like my graduation party with my internship, which is a lot of conservative people, a lot of religious people and all the shit was heightened during, you know, during that summer of 2020 with, with, with George Floyd and everything. And just like having these arguments with myself of like, you know actually arguments with them in my head of like if somebody's going to say something ignorant and how am i going to bridge that gap and, and and just just taking the weight of it and and during this this pinball time i was uh i was i just had this moment of of thinking like i don't have to lower myself to people who don't understand these things and it was this oddly releasing moment like suddenly that became true like suddenly that was a true affirmation about myself and it was it was really emotional and then and then that was the very first time um so there's lots of ways to play pinball one way is to you know some people look at the shot and try to hit the shot some people will look at the shot look at their flipper and try to look try to without looking at the the shot launch the ball in that direction so like kind of a no look shot in some ways and that was the first time i did it and i just like broke down in tears like i shouldn't be able to do this but i'm doing it oh my god like but yeah it, it, it you know it's it's dumb and it's cheesy but it gave me answers or it gave me something to believe in or believe my a reason to better myself or something like that so and, and something i learned in internship was like um like the categories of life and well-being one of them is like spirituality and, and faith and and they included hobbies in that category and i found that really interesting and kind of kind of freeing because like you know pinball is my hobby but it's it's so much more than that and, and you know improv is a hobby for you but it's so much more than that yeah oh one thousand percent i mean it's become i have an improv phrase tattooed on my body like it's become like a approach to like everything in in large and small in my interpersonal relationships in the way that i want to yeah. lead in like these if i ideas of if i if if i ever start my own company that's non um you know not related to improv but like i've been also the last couple of years i've been um teaching either through like through workshops primarily like uh this thing called medical improv so it was started by this lady uh two ladies um or they kind of coined the phrase medical improv um uh, this lady Belinda Foos out she's a physician out in like Seattle and then uh, Katie Watson who's here at Northwestern basically they use improv exercises to teach communication to medical students um, okay and, yeah it's really really cool but it's uh yeah it's just impacted like uh yeah it's just like impacted every element of my approach to everything 
really. And it's been, yeah, I mean, yeah, the hobby has turned into like, cause my dad is like super duper into tennis and like, he'll talk about tennis in similar ways that I talk about improv. It's just like where he found one of his communities. He's allowed to like physically move and express himself. And like, you know, you, sometimes you get your ass whooped and sometimes you suck and sometimes you're great and you have all this glory and all this shit. And it's like all, all of that stuff. And I think it's just really important to, how do you, yeah. How do you, how do you frame life in, in your, in, in a perspective that's through, you know, I think sometimes it helps to look at it through maybe something else. You can kind of get disconnected from your life to look at it through the frame of pinball, but take lessons that come back to life. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all like looking for some sort of meaning or purpose and then, you know, what, what the medium is, is, is kind of up to us, which is really cool in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, like I see other people who have like these other hobbies and, and there's a part of me that's like, whatever and then i have to remind myself i play pinball (laughs) it's really funny how you can get on kind of like a high horse sometimes they're like no no that's the same (laughs) shit i mean i you know at the core i understand like you know improv is also just like you know us like i'm fucking playing like pretend on stage you know like that's like basically what it is but it's like uh isn't there what's that i think i think there's something to that like i I, in doing therapy like a lot of it i think comes down to that inner child that that kid who wants to be him or herself themselves and and can't for whatever reason because somebody said that one thing that one time and and so i think like there's a lot of purity in that inner child and 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 joy and, and I remember there's a sex therapist named Midori or a sex educator named Midori who was trying to like come up with a definition for like kink and BDSM um, and she kind of described it as like this childlike sense of play just in a very adult context and I, I think there's really something to that childlike play that that you get to be someone else you get to I don't know or maybe you get to be you because you know like I said personality is just trauma we're all just kind of masking in one way or another in each situation so yeah wow that's all very interesting um told you i'm a heady therapist <laughs> no that's great dude okay so you, you said this a couple times so you said personality is just trauma is that what you said sort of i, I say that as a joke but a yeah. joke that has more truth in it than you like to admit and and by that you mean like just how we carry ourselves, how we navigate ourselves. Like, you know, if you're somebody like me, at least, and, and it sounds like you're, you're kind of similar, like you're kind of watching yourself a lot, like you're in your head, you're analyzing yourself, you know, going into improv. Basically, we're like, I hope I'm funny and, and watching yourself, you know, waiting for yourself to be funny. Um, so yeah, so we, we're, you know, we all bring our, 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 context wherever we go our experiences and how we relate to that and what that what we think that means about ourselves and and you know and some people as a defense a lot of things just defense mechanism you know like being funny can you know while it's charismatic and 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 it certainly helps it's a skill and it can help in a lot of ways in some other ways you know what is it protecting you from what is it keeping you what what parts of you are are being guarded because you're able to handle Yeah. I mean, that's definitely like my default. Yeah. Is to lean towards a more comedic sense. But I think what that's limited is like not embracing the sad parts and like just being sad for a little bit like that. That's a thing that I think like, uh, and you know, maybe, you know, I think truthfully, like age is something that is probably going to help 
because you're just gonna be faced with more sad shit like you know people like just like people dying bro like you know like there was a i think i heard i think i heard pete holmes talk about a steve martin joke where steve martin said like when you're young you make jokes about cancer until your friends start dying from cancer and so it's like you just have there's just gonna be more you know i just have you know family members getting sick and people who have and i've just been lucky enough to not have you know just didn't experience a lot of that growing up and so like it's just, uh, or not, I'm lucky enough, but I just didn't experience that a lot growing up. Like, you know, my grandfather passed away and all that, but you know, like I have three living grandparents and, yeah. you know, like the, the, and like, you know, friends of, over the last couple of years, I've had friends whose parents have passed away and like other family members who have lost like, or other friends who have lost siblings and like sad shit. You know, I think part of life, like just, I was thinking about it in the context of my, my dad's mother and like most of her siblings has passed away and she's like, you know, still alive and stuff. And I was like, man, that's like, must be such a trip to like still be alive, like with, you know, having watched a lot of your siblings pass away. And so like, that's like what a lot of it seems like we're all like, everybody's dealing with some level of sadness or whatever. And we're all like, everybody is at all points in time. There's something, you know, sad and happy, but like, you know, for me, sad is kind of, it's still a little bit of a scary emotion for me, for myself to be sad, be around other people that are sad. And um, uh, just cause I, I just tend to lean on the, not that I'm like, I don't want to be what's that it's uncomfortable yeah and i'm not like obliviously happy like oh everything's fucking great like i'm i'm aware of the how horrible things are in the world you know and all of that but like i just lean on a more positive upbeat comedic thing um and so like yeah it's just interesting like we're all kind of walking around with this sad shit and like it is a, it is a it is it is something i think I'd probably be better for it, you know, to be able to embrace that more and understand myself in that context to become a more full human being. And from a show perspective, because that's all that matters to me, really, I can actually like express sadness a little better on stage if I was to like. Well, I mean, shit, that's comedy, right? Like, yeah. like so much of comedy. I mean, one, there's that ego looking me, I need attention, which, you know, childhood stuff, I'm sure, all over the place. Yeah. But also, like, yeah, like, a lot of the best comedians are depressed as hell or have yeah. experienced that or, or, yeah. or no pain. And this is the way they're processing it. And it's probably why people relate to it so much. And, you know, it's not just, oh, it's funny. Ha ha. It's like, oh, I can see myself in this. Yeah. Uh, were you going to say that you wanted to do, and I don't want to tell, spill your secret, but, or what I think might be your secret, but were you thinking of like trying to figure out a way to connect the EMDR to pinball? I, I I am trying. Um, so I, I just got trained in EMDR, which which kind of like, okay, now that I know this, how do I make it fit? And don't totally know how to do that yet. I have a couple ideas. And this is, I don't know, like, this is an eventual idea. I'm not really hustling about it. But but yeah, like experiential therapy is kind of a, a trending thing of, you know, like going out into the world and doing an activity as opposed to just traditional talk therapy. Um, and so I'm, I'm trying to find a way of like, cause you know, EMDR aside, there is a lot of like self-confrontation. Like I think, I think it would be easy to do like an anger management class around pinball, but I just don't want to do anger management. Um, so it's one of those like, okay, I, I have this love, this is my line of work. Can they come together somehow? And can that be a project as my life goes on? That's really interesting that you say that too, uh, uh, because uh, there's another hope hope england thing but she's she either worked with or connected so like she worked um for a while worked as a doing triage at a hospital for like uh victims of like gunshot violence and like like gang stuff and one of the therapies that they had with some of those children and young adults was like uh 
there's a group and I wish I could, I'll see if I can remember the name, if I can post it, but it's a, it's an organization that works with kids who come from those very sort of um, violent or traumatic things. And they uh, have them do like pottery, I think, or like glass blowing or some shit. But like what they were connecting was the intensity of the fire mm. is somewhat connected to the intensity of their life but in a more controlled way and so it's like there's a comfort maybe in that i guess i don't know what the reason is but just a better oh, connection yeah. a connect a connectedness that then you can talk about whatever you need to talk about no just yeah that, that controls a big element for for trauma like, like like working on sex therapy some some people who have had who experienced you know sexual abuse or, or rape um they sometimes have fantasies of rape and and that's certainly a conflicting thing within them of, of like, well, why do I want this? Did this horrible thing happen to me? What does that mean about me? But, but some people really do find healing in re kind of recreating the, the incidents and, but, but creating it in a way where they have the thing that they didn't have back then, which is that power and control. And you can say, stop, you can, you can, this ends when you, when you want it to, um, which there's a lot of power in that oh shit damn that must be i not even, <laughs> i couldn't even i don't even know what that would feel like but just what you just said is like a trip like this thing that was their trauma that they have fantasies about that you can actually put them in situations that make them feel power and have control and actually feel it's like a really powerful thing like it's it's a very vulnerable experience right like you know i mean some people have just very casual sex and it's no big deal but even just you know being naked in front of somebody touching somebody like that could be a very vulnerable thing and so a lot of like kink and bdsm stuff is is kind of playing with those those those, those life hacks of, of power and control and dynamics like that and, and it could be really healing for a lot of people to, to be able to navigate those things did you learn about that at your Christian school? No. <laughs> okay. No. Yeah. It, it was kind of funny. Like, so yeah, I was in Chicago when I got the idea of becoming a sex therapist. So that would have been like 2015, 2014. I almost went to school outside Philadelphia and didn't. That's another story. Um, but yeah, it was, it's funny how like back then, like, if you just, you know, I listened to some sex podcasts at work just because, you know, it's just past the time and then read a few books about sex and like kind of quickly, I knew more about sex than most people because that's <laughs> just sort of the culture we live in or, or, or have lived in. Um, so, so a lot of like this sex info was just me kind of, kind of being a geek about it and just like learning about it on my own, like wanting to like be this professional and wanting to have the knowledge, but no, like we had like one human sexuality class and it was pretty basic. Um, a lot of my papers were kind of about the, about human sexuality being underserved and just any sort of uh, educational field like therapy, medical stuff, anything like that. What do you think like we need as a society to have a better, because it's so weird, like you say that and I agree, but like, there's also like, there's like, we're, it's like, seems like we're very like sexualized. There's just like, there's so much sex in the air, I think, from like television and media, but like it doesn't seem like it's like, uh, like even just, the, you know, that doesn't, there's a, it's, it seems like it doesn't lack substance, I guess, or it lacks it's substance, anywhere, excuse me. But we don't talk about it, or we don't talk about it in any sort of, it's, yeah, it's the conundrum of like, you know, 
everybody's supposed to be kind of having sex but not having sex like <laughs> yeah. all this sex projected on you and people are having a sex life but we don't talk about it and yeah and you better not want it and just yeah a lot of mixed messages a lot of cultural it's a lot of cultural breakdowns like i would say a lot of my job is just giving people permission to to like what they like that just because they like this doesn't mean you know xyz about them doesn't mean a lot of it's religious trauma of you know sure just that's what i was gonna ask doing that, that wiring but but yeah you know it is a, a very we uh it's been called sex phobic our culture when it comes to sex are like american western culture or just western yeah, culture yeah yeah it's, it's very sex phobic and but also sh- shoved down our throats um yeah what a weird combination of stuff that's like so confusing it is and and you know the internet's come a lot like the internet's given a lot of that permission to people and you know like this like the subgroups of people they they're no longer alone they're, there's less of a shame stigma because of that um online presence which tr- can translate into real life presence um but it's still there and and certainly in, in this town like it's a lot of that religious um unwiring to let let those kinky people let their freak flags i can't do it freak, freak flags, flags fry. fly fly i said fry, fly. Um, I did too. Yeah. <laughs> don't fry their freak flag yeah, let it fly this. yeah oh boy what do you uh like what would you like how would you envision a better like society that was more open like what would be like things that we should be doing or could be doing or, oh like... boy that's a big question i don't like like what's i mean education and talking about it is always good um giving like actual like there's still a lot of of stigma about sex education in general like there's not a really an agreement on who should be doing it whether it be parents or teachers or somebody else more you know it, it's basically somebody else's job and everybody's definition and nobody's doing it yeah um and and i forget the stats on it but there's something of like like only half the states require sex education and only like half of those required to even require it to be sexually or, or to for it to be accurate so, so you get a lot of what does that education. even mean so so you get a lot of sex education that has like a lot of values projected into it like like one metaphor i heard was like uh people are post-it note and every time you have sex that's you posting the putting the post note down and peeling it off and posting it down and peeling it off and basically you're becoming damaged goods the more you're having sex um so so a lot of education is just values driven so the if we could just be honest, like just kind of copy like what Northern Europe Europe is doing with just like they're they're starting sex education at like five. It's age appropriate sex education. They're not like you know going into stuff that five year olds shouldn't be knowing, but they're not shying away from anatomy. They're not shying away from the differences. They're not shying away from these things and just that normalizing of these things at, at a young age. You know, it creates such a healthier relationship than this like well we don't talk about that or you know go read the internet and, and hope it's accurate or, or, you know, hopefully you don't grow up in the South and get sex education, like stuff like that. <laughs> that almost feels like a little bit of like the, just, uh, you can't drink until you're 21. And so then we're it's not going to have like, you know, I did watch a video, uh, uh, like a Vox video or something about the reason that they made it 21 was a bunch of States had a, like random ages. So like people would just like Wisconsin was 18 and Illinois was 21 or whatever. And at some point I forgot how they picked 21, but at some point they're like, we just need one age so people don't drive across the state, but the number is still arbitrary. Yeah. And it's like this, uh, you, but obviously like 
not everybody, but like, you know, fucking everybody's drinking before 21 anyways. Like, not that you should change the age, yeah. but like, you know, what are the. It's it's the like, assume it's going to happen and, and give people actual information so they can be responsible about it when it happens. Because it's funny because like all these values based sex education things, if you look at the stats, they have higher pregnancy rates. They have higher yeah. STD rates because they're not getting actual information like. It's not going to deter them from telling them not to have sex or calling them damaged goods. It's not going to stop them from having sex with their body. And, you know, so, so giving them the skills to navigate those things and making sure that they, they have respect for your partner and, and vice versa. And just that, you know, what makes like, like in California, I think they're teaching consent. I think they're, it's becoming mandatory that they teach consent in high school or something like that. Um, which just goes a long way. Just these, and a lot of it's just relationship skills and just being able to communicate. And a lot of that is, is, you know, gender types of men are supposed to be sexual. And so we're just supposed to just, just, just dive into it and, and hope, hope it goes well, I guess. I don't know. Like, <laughs> so, so the lack of talking about it is, is a lot of, I mean, that's why I have a job is we don't talk about it. And that's why reading a couple books, I was already ahead of the curve. Like we just don't talk about it. What are some good books that you think people should read that are like oh centered on um, it? I haven't read it in a while. Uh, it's been a bit. Um, Come as you are is always a really, really good one. It's it's more about arousal uh, patterns. I use it a lot with my my uh, clients. Uh, Emily Nagoski is the author. She just makes these concepts very digestible. A lot of really good metaphors um, that you know I use them with clients because just it, it helps make things make sense and a lot of permission giving. Um, I don't know. I, I keep, I, I think of like sex, uh, sex outside the lines or something like that by Chris Donahue. This, this one's kind of old and I don't even know, uh, you know, it's like eight years since I've read it or since it came out. This was the, the kind of gateway. Chris Donahue was kind of the gateway of like, Oh, this is like a legit profession. And I kind of want to do this and I can do this. And so, so his book, it doesn't go in depth in a lot of topics, but it covers a lot of ideas and just challenges a lot of ideas that we call normal and, and why is that yeah yeah it's so yeah there's just um seems like just communication amongst individuals communications amongst society all that stuff like if we could just be i had a another friend named jessica who's another person from improv and she was talking about like maybe this was just her experience. So she was like, you know, women don't really talk to each other about like menstruation enough. Like there's all these things that are happening to our body that we don't talk Absolutely. to each other about. Like my buddy, uh, you know, turning 34, 35, my, you know, like even how I'm peeing is different. And my friend, like there's three friends. We're all just hanging out at my house. And we're all just kind of talking about it. We're like, Oh God. Okay, good. We're all going through it. Maybe like, it's like, we should be talking about this shit, you know, like, we cause we're all, talking about it. we're all, it. and it's, it's, you know, yeah. And it's all uncomfortable, I guess, you know, but it's like the more you can tell people stuff in, in a way that's like, I don't know, you know, you should, it's authentic. Should... It's genuine. Like, like, like a lot of, you know, back to what I was saying about like the trauma is personality. A lot of it is like, we show up how we think we're supposed to show up, but if we could just show up how we are, damn, that would just make a lot of difference. And so like being honest about these things, <laughs> I, I'm noticing I'm peeing differently. <laughs> like, like, let that be, let that be your truth. And who cares if, you know, there's no, like there's nothing wrong with you because of it. It's I would say in the last year, I can't like text and pee on my phone. Like, because then I'm not, I need to like be like fully present when I'm peeing to make it's sure. Mindfulness. <laughs> yeah. I'm learning mindfulness through peeing. I, 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 that, that 
peeing was one of those times where I like would, would notice my posture and like, oh, I better stand up and like do this. So, yeah. Healing <laughs> power in the pee. <laughs> A lot of important things go on while we're while we're peeing and mentally, emotionally. um so true um okay so we're getting close to about two hours um are there any is there anything else that you i've really enjoyed this This is very interesting i don't want this to be the last time we talk because i think that there's a lot of like i want to talk about how the election was stolen (laughs) (laughs) part two on my patreon if you want to hear that um i want to go off the rails (laughs) i want to like uh yeah, I want to I want to do this again if if you're ever open to that yeah. and um, talk fun. more about your. You probably know. got the good stuff. I'm probably pretty boring after this part. <laughs> well, then let's cut it before you get boring. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anything you want to shout out? Anything like resources or any of that stuff that you'd like to share? I know you've talked about a lot of books, which is really cool. Um, yeah, think- um, <laughs> yeah. I wish I, I, I my first plug. Um, I don't have anything. I'm not a performer. Uh, Go to therapy, um, especially if you're a dude. Dudes don't. And if, if you're a dude seeking female companionship, go to therapy. She'll appreciate it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Be, be kind to yourselves. Be kind to each other, et cetera. Just, yeah. I don't know. It's hard. I, I, I talk about this with my clients a lot. Shit is just hard. Yeah. We're all doing our best. Everybody hang in there and, and take care of you. Do what you need to do to get by. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, buddy. I really very much appreciate it. Yeah, you too. It was wonderful talking to you. Um, Do you have like a social media thing or do you want people to follow you? I guess like if also if, uh, you know, I don't know what my, hopefully this will up my Boise, Idaho uh, uh, demographic, (laughs) but if uh, people wanted to work with you. Um, As far as work with, I don't know, like, hey, shit, Idaho needs sex therapists, so sex therapy people want to come here right? oh also i meant uh like people who want to be clients sorry work with us and like oh, clients. Um, clients. oh gotcha 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 um we have a phone number uh hold on where's my business card um yeah so the voicey people if this sounds like something info or uh some services you need the phone number for the idaho institute of gender and sex therapy is 208-417-8428 sweet well thank you so much bud i really appreciate it
Yeah. Yeah.